0: Let's bow our heads, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, as we come today, uh, we are so thankful for your word. Father, we thank you. thank you so much for Jesus and the cross, for the new birth, and giving us life new and afresh. Father, we know it comes from the word. All things are created and came from the word. Father, you created the universe, you recreate our heart to be born again with the word. And Father, we ask today that the word would create and renew our minds, create new levels of understanding, new depths of revelation. Uh, and new relationship with you out of that revelation, and new grace and blessing and peace. So, Father, we just pray that you give clarity of mind, Father, articulation of speech, and Father, boldness of spirit to communicate your word. Father, I pray that each one here would have ears to hear, hearts to receive, and a will to do what your word has proclaimed for us to do. And we thank you for it. We ask your blessing in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen and amen. Well, we talked about being created and recreated in his image. You know, our original state was we were made in the image of God. We're called sons of God. It says, as many as received him to them, gave you the power to become the sons of God. And that's out of John where it says, you know, he came into his own, his own received him not. But many, as many as received him to them, gave you the power to become the sons of God. Why is that? Because originally God calls us the sons of God. It called, in the the last verse of Luke chapter 3, he calls Adam the son of God. In Jesus, in Matthew, he alludes to the Psalms where uh, we are called gods. Now, we're not talking about the New Age gods like you know, the New Age movement teaches today. Or we're not trying to think we're God. But, but what, what that was saying is that, that we're in God's family or the class where, where we're his children. But, I mean, we're not God. We know that. And we know that's not what the scripture was saying. But we are unique, you know, there's, there's God, and then there's angels and fallen angels, and then there's mankind that has been redeemed and saved, and those who are still unsaved, two different classes, just like angels and fallen angels. And then you got man that's been redeemed and still fallen man. And then you got the animal kingdom. But beyond that, I don't believe that there's any other thing. Because I believe the totality of God's revelation is within Scripture. And it doesn't talk about anything else. You know, well, what if there's life on other planets, Pastor Bill? What if, what if there's aliens? Well, they, if they are, they're probably just fallen angels. And they're probably trying to pose themselves to bring confusion to us. So I believe this. Our original state was that of the image of God. And then we went into our fallen state. Adam and Eve uh, got conned by the great con artist, Satan, in the Garden of Eden. And they fell into a state that took on his image. And it says in John, it says, hereby we do know the sons of God and, and the sons of the devil. And, and it says, you know, you're of your uh, father, the devil, Jesus said to the Pharisees. And, and that we, it doesn't mean that they literally are his children. It means that they've taken on that nature. Because the word father originally, in the original language, it means to be like. And so when we understand that, we realize that we become like Satan. You know, sometimes we see Hollywood and he's this scary guy with the horns and the hooves and the tail. That's just complete business as usual Hollywood ignorance. And he was the most beautiful angel in heaven. He was a glorious being who had jewels as a covering. He had pipes and musical instruments built inherently into his being. He was this cherub that was the covering cherub in the holy of holies in heaven. He had a high and lofty position that he fell from. And so, likewise, he has caused us as the image of God to fall from that. And we take on his nature in that we're naturally selfish. We naturally have a propensity towards sinful, selfish, egotistical type of living. And that is what it means to be uh, in a fallen State of sin and self and and evilness, and when you understand that, you see that yes, man is in a fallen state. But then we have what we call our new state of being born again. If any man be in Christ, is a new creation. Everybody say new creation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And you know now it, it does not appear what we shall be, but we know that we shall be as he is. It says that in First John. Referring to we'll have a new glorified body one day. And we'll be like Jesus who lives in a glorified body even today in heaven. And we can see that we are becoming more like him in the renewing of our mind. Be not conformed to this world. One translation says, don't let the world force you into its mold. Aren't you glad it says that? Don't be forced into the world's mold. They're, They're trying to mold you. They're trying to bring you down. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, we can become Christ like. We can become in his image. And we can reassume that posture and position and that reflecting his image, it says in Corinthians. So, those are powerful things. So, we talked about that. But we also said that many things that God has provided for us, he's provided for us what we call a new state, a born again condition, a new creation reality. But sometimes we think, well, I don't really see that. What, what exactly are you talking about, Pastor? I, I kind of seem a lot the same as I've always been. See, but it's our responsibility to be transformed in that regard. Now, inwardly, our spirit, man, we are a spirit. We live in a body. And we have a mind. Sometimes I think I don't, but you know, we, we have a mind. And Our spirit got born again, and it's righteous and holy. It says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the inward man, which is created after Christ in true righteousness and holiness. The inward man doesn't want to sin. Paul talked about that struggle in Romans 7. He says, the thing I don't want to do, I do, and the very thing I do want to do, I don't. And I see this law in the members of my body, and I see another law after the inward man. And I have this struggle, and he goes on and on about that. So that's because on the inside of us, we're born again. We're a new creature. We're holy. We're righteous. But we're living in this body that's so used to sinning and cooperating with a mind that's so used to sinning, then then Paul says you're going to have to renew that mind and put that flesh under. And let that inward man dominate over the outward man. But you're in charge of that. But when you start operating in Christ, that's... You know, Christ lives inside of us in our born-again spirit. You know, one person says, Well, I keep seeking for God. I can't find him. I go, Quit looking out here. If you're born again, he lives in here. And be refilled by the Holy Spirit. And you'll find him. And just keep being refilled, filled up with the Holy Spirit. So, we've got this new man that's made after Christ. Well, I don't feel like I'm very much like... Well, see, that's because you've got to lay hold of that. You know, and the scripture I used last week was, you know... The way that we get transformed is believing with our heart and confessing with our mouth. How did you get born again? How did you get that inward man recreated? How did we do that? Romans says this, 10.8. It says, the word is nigh thee. The word is near to you. It's nearer than you think. This is Romans 10.8. The word is near you, even in thy heart and in thy mouth. There's two places where the word can cause transformation. It says, even in your mouth... And you can turn there if you want in your Bibles, but I'm quoting out of Romans 10 and 8. What is it? The word is near you. Everybody say, near you. you. Even in your mouth. Say it with me. in In your mouth and in your heart. Remember those two things. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Transformation starts with the heart and the mouth. Transformation starts with the heart and the mouth. How do I know that? Because the rest of the verse... It says, what is it? The word is near thee, even in the mouth and the heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. That thou will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. You shall be saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And we want to stop there many times, but now there's another part to that. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. But with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation, or you could say confession brings salvation into your life. You know, when we talk about confession, we always think of 1 John one nine. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we always think of confession in this negative context where we confess sin out of our life to be forgiven. But the greater part of confession really is talking about the confession of Christ in Christianity, where if you believe in your heart, And confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So, confession is made unto salvation. Is that only for when you're born again? Did you know the word salvation doesn't just mean being born again? How many of you know that that Greek word is sozo? Sozo can mean being healed, delivered, made whole... And it has basically seven different meanings, only one of being born again. So you could say, with the heart, man believes unto healing. And with the mouth, confession of healing is made unto salvation. With the heart, man believes for deliverance. You need to be delivered from smoking, drinking, drugs, pornography, whatever. With the heart, man believes. But with the mouth, confession brings the salvation. See, the same way that we got into being a Christian is the same way we continue on in growing and developing as a Christian. The principle does not change. The principle of getting in initially to be born again and continuing on to be fully sanctified and developed and mature and full grown operates off the exact same principle of faith. Can I get an amen? Amen. See, the way you start is the way you'll carry on. The way you start is the way you'll continue. And so we talked about that last time. And so understanding confession, uh, it, it's so important. And when we, when we move into these things uh, of talking about moving into the realms of salvation, uh, it, it's, it's very, very important. And let me, let me give you some examples of that. Mark eleven twenty three. 23, Jesus said this. It says, have the faith of God, verse 22. Other translations says, have the God kind of faith. Have the same faith as God does in his word. Have the faith of God. In other words, we should have the same faith in God's word that God has in his own word. Now that's really interesting because then verse 23 says something really interesting. Verily I say unto you, whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith Shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. There's great power in what we say. Jesus said, Speak to the mountain. Don't talk to God about your mountain. Talk to your mountain about the greatness of your God. A lot of people are crying to God about the mountain in their life that's in their road, that's hindering them, that they can't climb, that they can't conquer. But really, we need to be talking to the mountain about our great God that can overcome any mountain. And so I think that that's, that's very important that we need to speak unto the mountain when the children of Israel went in to the promised land. In numbers 13, Joshua came and says, like, God spoke to Moses, said, "I give you the land of Canaan." Now go in and possess it." And Moses called out 12 spies, and the 12 went in. 10 came back and said, "We're not able to do it. There's mountains." There's giants. Oh, there's great, big, huge, wonderful fruit and vegetables. It's a land of milk and honey, but we can't take it because there's obstacles. See, they completely ignored God's word that said, I've given you the land. Then two came up, Joshua and Caleb, the men of faith, and they said, we're we're well able to take it. Let's go at once and let's take it. And the ten discouraged the whole congregation to murmur against God, get out of faith, and operate in fear. And you can't operate in fear and faith at the same time. Fear is faith in the devil. And then godly faith is faith in something good that God wants to do. They had fear in the devil. They had fear in the giants. They had fear in the walled cities. They had fear in all the negatives. And it really was their faith that that was greater than what God said. So they didn't enter the land. But Joshua and Caleb, through their confession, said we're more than well able. And the Bible says after 40 years, Joshua and Caleb would take the land. And they did take the land. And the others perished. With the heart man believes. They believed when he said the land is yours. And confession is made unto salvation. They confessed and said, We're well able to do it. And it brought salvation. They did do it. So, those are basic principles that we need to understand about how we possess our new creation realities or who we are in the recreated person. You know, as, as we talked about our old original state, our fallen state, and our new state. Our new state, and that state is called being in Christ. If any man be in Christ, everybody say, Be in Christ. What's it mean we're going to talk about today? Now we're picking up, and this is new territory. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be in Christ? How, how, how do we understand this whole thing about being in Christ? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In him, we live, and we move, and we have our being, it says in Acts 17, 28. So something about even though we're believers, because he's talking to believers, folks. You can either be in the flesh, and you can operate out of the carnal man with the carnal mind and carnal living, and you can resort back to the old, unrenewed way that your mind wants to gravitate towards. Your body can resort back to, to the gluttony, the laziness, the sexual promiscuity that your body wants to do, and you can fall right back into being out of Christ and in the flesh. Can I get an amen? Amen. But being in Christ is being living, thinking, acting out, doing, and being the Word of God. How many of you know when we talk about in Christ, we could almost just say in the Word? Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word was God, John 1 and 1. Verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. You see, when I was a Christian, I first got saved, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I started walking. And, and, I, and I didn't know, what does it mean to be in Christ? I see all these in Christ scriptures. And, and, I, and I, didn't, I didn't know what it meant, because Jesus said, I'm in you, and you're in me. And, and I'm, I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm not inside his body, but he's inside my body. But then I thought, well, I am in his body because I'm part of the body of Christ. And, and a lot of those things perplexed me. What does it mean to be in Christ? And, you know, how do you possess these things, you know? And I gave the analogy last week, you know, God can give us things, and we never possess it. God gave the land to the twelve and to the congregation, but they never possessed it. I can own a vehicle, but if somebody steals it and drives it to Florida, I own it, and the thief possesses it. And he's driving it, and I'm sitting there with no car. Even though I own it, I've got the title. He stole it, and he's driving it around, and he has it. He has possession. So you can own something. You can have something that belongs to you legally, spiritually, scripturally, that the Bible says is yours, but you don't possess it. That's the way most Christians live in this life. They never learn how do you possess the land that was given to you. Joshua and Caleb, those great models for us. They believed it, and therefore they spoke it, and that is the spirit of faith. The Bible says we have the same spirit of faith because we believe. Therefore, we speak, it says in in 1 Corinthians 4.13. But today, as we get into it, Jesus learned through the word. And he is our model of understanding what being in Christ is. Did you know if anybody needed to be in Christ, it was that little baby Jesus had to learn to be in Christ? He needed to assume that role of who he was, what he had, and what he could do. Because he didn't just know that inherently and automatically being born the son of God. How many of you know we're children of God and we need to learn like Jesus did who we are, what we have, and what we can do? Can I get an amen from somebody? So being in Christ, who would be the greatest model of being in Christ uh, that we could look to? Jesus, who was in Christ. He was Christ. But you know, he was born a human being. God took himself and thought it not, not to be uh, something uh, to, to be reduced to fully human as well as fully God. Jesus came down here to be our example. And I just like it. Jesus learned through the word, the Old Testament, who he was, his authority, his mission, what he had, what he could do, you could say. And then he confessed and saw it all come to pass by his own confession, confessing, confessing of things. Turn with me to Luke this morning. Luke 2 and 52, I want to bring some things to your attention that maybe you have overlooked. And I did for many years and didn't realize that the scripture said these things. And they're very simple and they're very helpful for us to understand how we become in Christ. You know, I, I like to use the analogy that, you know, when I worked for a certain uh, jewelry company, that I realized that there were certain privileges that I had. I could go on their property when someone who wasn't, in Zales Jewelers could not do. I could handle the diamonds and sell them and put them away at night in the vault where someone who wasn't in or of Zales or an employee of Zales Jewelers could not do. And when you walk on a, where you work at, you know, sometimes people that work at certain places, when you work for UPS, you put on a uniform because you work for UPS. You have certain benefits because you work at UPS. UPS. You get access to certain equipment and certain things that work for you because you're an employee at UPS. A lot about being in Christ is a lot about being associated or affiliated or employed by a larger entity that you fall under the umbrella of all of its benefits and blessings and payouts. Can I get an amen? So we're in Christ. We're a part of the body of Christ. And being in Christ affords us certain privileges... Certain rights, certain authorities, certain things that we've been made, certain things that we can do, certain things that we can have, certain privileges that only are for us who are the children of God or in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. And because those things belong to us doesn't mean that we're possessing them. But they belong to us, as we've said here. But look what it says about Jesus. And the way that we begin to grow in this starts out first the same way it began to grow in Jesus. Luke 2.52, and look what it says. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Everybody say, Jesus increased in wisdom. Hmm. There's three things. There's knowledge, there's understanding, there's wisdom. Knowledge is information, understanding is comprehension, and wisdom is the use of. Let me say it again. Knowledge is information. Understanding is comprehension of it, and wisdom is the proper use and implementation of it. Let me say it again. Knowledge is information. Understanding is the comprehension of that information. Wisdom is the proper use and implementation of the use of that information. Jesus grew. In other words, Jesus wasn't born a little baby and just knew the whole Old Testament. Jesus was not born a little baby and just had understanding of everything that he was supposed to be, who he was, and what he was supposed to do. He had to look into those Old Testament scriptures. He had to read Isaiah 53. 4 and 5 where it says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. He's laid the iniquities, all of our iniquities on him. And, and, and so on and so forth. He had to realize, wow, I'm, going, I'm realizing I'm the Messiah. I'm, re, I'm realizing that I'm rejected and despised of men. And they are esteeming me not. I'm realizing I'm going to have to go through a cross experience. I'm realizing I'm being rejected. I'm realizing I'm going to have to carry the sin of the world. And Jesus, through his knowledge of the Old Testament, God gave him, because he had no sin, he had no depravity of mind, he was able to learn and understand much more rapidly than us. But he had to go to the Word and learn who he was, what he was called to do, and what he would have as a result of that. I'm telling you this morning, you're going to have to go to the Word if Jesus had to go to the word and find out who he was, you're going to have to go to the word to find out who you are. That you're a child of God. That you're the blessed coming in and the blessed going out. That you're you're head and not the tail. That you're above only and not beneath. That you're the healed of the Lord. That you're uh, the one that God has called to go into all the world and preach the gospel to the rest of the world. You're going to have to look to the word to find out who you are. Everybody say, I'll find out who I am through the word. And the Bible talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It talks about for the clergy, it talks about for the layman that there's gifts of prophecy, teaching. There's motivations of giving. There's motivations of administration. There's motivations of prophecy. And then you got seven giftings over there in Romans, the 12th chapter, that tells us all about our motivational giftings as human beings. And you look in there and you say, oh, I have a prophetic gifting. Or you look in there and you say, Ah, oh, I've got the gift to give. I love giving. And you look into that word and you start finding out who you really are in the spiritual. It says, look, look at no man after the flesh. It says, esteem no man after the flesh. But look at who they are in Christ. Because in the flesh, you might have been a drunk. In the flesh, you might have been a dirty old fornicator. In the flesh, you might have been a complete reprobate. And then God took your life and recreated you and made you something beautiful, new creation, where old things pass away and all things have become new. And now you begin to look at who am I in Christ? Not who I was before I was saved, not who I was when I went to school, not who I was when people liked me, disliked me, or I was great, or I was nothing. But forget all that. Find out who you are now in Christ by recognition. When Jesus started to walk out of his life, he started recognizing his life, he started seeing the scripture. He says, oh my gosh, I'm the Messiah. I was, I fulfilled all those 300 scriptures about the Messiah. I I was born in such and such a place. I came by way of a virgin. And he he says, my goodness, it was me. I fulfilled all those scriptures. You look in the Bible, it says, he's talking about me. I'm the blessed coming in and blessed going out. If I only realize it and take hold of it by faith. Look at it, it says, I'm the healed of the Lord. By his stripes, you are healed. And I start learning who I am. Can I get an amen from somebody this morning? Anybody getting this? See, Jesus came. Turn with me to Hebrews 5 and 8 and 9. Jesus began to learn who he was. We need to learn by the word who we are. How many of you know God's word will tell you who you are, what you have, and what you can do? God's word will tell you everything about you that you need to know. You know, you hear about these people, and they say, I'm just out searching for myself. Well, good luck, stupid. Stupid. Go look in the mirror and you'll find yourself physically. Look in the word of God and you'll find yourself eternally, spiritually, soulishly, and even physically, ultimately. Don't go look out in the world. The world doesn't have any answers. You need to look into the the word. And God will show you everything that you need to know about uh, your life. He says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And that's the knowledge of all things. So we're going over to Hebrews and we're going to look at a verse of scripture there that blew my mind the first time I really got cognition of what it was saying. It says in verse 8, it says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience. Oh my gosh, Jesus had to learn obedience. Well, Jesus never committed any sins. It says he was tempted all ways and it was found without sin. But he had to learn obedience. Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. I'll get this next verse nine. And being made perfect. Wow. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus was made perfect. It just wasn't automatic. And he was made perfect and became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So he learned. Wow. He was made. And he became. It isn't just automatic. You're going to learn. You're going to have to learn, wow. You're going to have to be made, make yourself do certain things, and you'll become what the Word of God says you're to become. Jesus confessed who he was. Uh, Jesus confessed what, what he came to do. He says, I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Do you know why you're here on earth? Do you understand your call? Look into the word, you'll begin to understand it. Some people go their whole life and never walk in the call that God has for them. And they'll stand for God on judgment day and he asks, what did you do with that calling on your life? That calling to serve in church in the the nursery. That calling to be an usher. That calling to witness to the people at work. That calling that I put on your life that you never did because you never understood because you never sought for it in the scripture. We need to be serious about this because we'll have an eternal judgment one day on what we did with our life jesus learned these things john fourteen nine. he learned who he was he says if you've seen me you've seen the father he says i am the way the truth and the life and nobody comes to the father but by me he began to learn he was the way he began to learn that he was the truth he began to learn that he was the life He began to realize he was the express image of God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He learned those things through the scriptures and the Holy Spirit coming alongside and teaching him. He learned what authority he has. He says in Matthew 28, 18, second half, he says, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. You know, we have authority. It says, behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. He's given us... How many of you know we need to know the authority that we have in Christ? Amen. You're all awful quiet this morning. In the epistles, there's 140 in him expressions. We need to learn some of them, confess some of them. See, we can begin to confess because salvation comes through what? With the heart man believes and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. See, if you don't feel like you have some of the blessings of God. You need to begin to use the same principle that you used to be born again. Believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. That's why it says in Joshua 1.8, let this book of the law not depart out of your mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Don't let it depart with your mouth, but meditating is engaging your heart. It's getting beyond your head if you just say it. But if you say something a lot of times, it gets down in your heart. And then you confess it with your mouth day and night. That's what will cause you to be able to do all that is written therein. And then thou shall make thy ways prosperous and have good success, it says. So when you begin to learn to take the word and internalize it, self-communicate it, and get it into your heart to where you believe with your heart, and then you confess with your mouth, then salvation comes. Salvation for finances. Salvation for healing. Salvation for your kids being saved. Salvation for peace of mind and joy in the Holy Spirit. Salvation for everything that you have need of comes from believing with your heart and then beginning to confess it with your mouth. And all the promises of God are in him. I want you to turn uh, to a scripture, and you can turn there, and you can just listen to me if you want. But turn to 2 Corinthians 1.20. And as you're going there, I'm I'm just going to quote John 15.7. It says, if you be in me... If you dwell in me and if my word dwells in you, you shall ask what you want and it shall be done unto you. If you dwell in me and if my word dwells in you, you could say if I dwell in you because his word, and him, they're, they're the same. Him and his word are really the same. He says you can ask what you will and it, be, and it shall be done unto you. If you dwell in me, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. That word abide means dwell. If you abide in me and if my words abide in you, it says in John 15, 7, You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Many times people ask, because there's no faith, there's no answer, there's no believing and receiving. Mark 11, 24 says, what sort of things you desire when you pray? If you believe that you receive it, you shall have it. It doesn't say if you believe that God gives it. It says if you believe that you receive it, you shall have it. And what will cause you to be able to believe that you receive it is by having the word in your heart, meditating on it. So we can see here, that if you abide in me turn to second corinthians i i love this verse of scripture second corinthians i quote it a lot but this is a powerful scripture second corinthians quickly turn there and it says this in verse 20 of chapter one for all the promises of god in him everybody say in him open your bibles there turn to first corinthians excuse me second corinthians 1 and 20 And underline where it says in him. For all the promises of God in him are yea, or yes. And in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. All the promises of God are yes, are in him, are yes, and amen. If you're in Christ, all the promises of God are yes. I don't always get all the promises. I've prayed the promises. I've seen it in Scripture, and I've said, Lord, I'm believing for this, and and I'm praying for it. And and all the promises of God in Him, are you in Him? Are you in Him? Are you in the flesh? Are you in your mind? Are you in some other uh, posture, positioning? But if you're in Him, that means you're in the Word. You're giving yourself to the Word. You're giving yourself to confessing the Word. Stay in him, for all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen. It gives God glory. You know, some people say, well, you ask God, and sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no. It's always yes and amen, but you have to be in him. You can't be in the flesh. You can't be of your own agenda, your own will, your own life, go in your own direction. You've got to lay down your life, and then you'll gain it, because if you try to gain your life, you'll lose it. You have to be in Him. You have to lay down certain things. You have to be in Him. You have to be in church. You have to be in the Word. You have to be in serving and giving. You have to be in that place that's Christ-like, that's in Christ. Because when you're in that place, everything's yes and amen. Everything begins to happen and be right. Everything begins to fall in place. And it says, under the glory of God, God made us in His image. And Satan wants to bring us down to his image. His image is a rebel. His image is not being in Christ. His image is being in himself. His image is his own agenda. His image, uh, Satan is in Satan and Jesus is in Christ. Now we can be in Satan in our posture, and our standing, our allegiance, our faithfulness, our feelings, our following or we can be in Christ in all of our allegiance and all of our faithfulness and all of our thinking and all of our doing and all of our objectives and all of our motives and all of our things can be over here in a Christ-like posture and then all the promises are yes and amen. Because Satan caused us to fall and want us to be like him and wants us to be his image of being in in, in satan and and in, in you know if if you're in the world you're really you know satan is the god of this world the bible says you're really into him now we wouldn't call it that because that'd be politically uncorrect but it says he who is friends with the world is an enemy of god in, in in the book of james and so we need to stay in christ can i get an amen is anybody listening anybody getting anything out of this this morning These are are important principles that we as believers need to understand. There's about 140 of these types of verses in the Bible. All the promises in him. But we need to be in God, and we need to be following after him. And, you know, I I just think that uh, there's there's just a lot of these types of verses that are in him. I'm going to just read to you you a little book, and it's called, oh, by golly, look at that. There's a book called In Him, (laughs) This little book's called In Him. And it talks about all these verses. It's about 140 or 160, I can't remember. But what he says is when you take this verse, begin to apply it to your life. For instance, he says in Acts 17, 28, it says, in him we live and move and have our being. He says, this is Brother Hagin. He says, make this confession. Make your confession when you get up in the morning or when you pray at night or during the day. In him I live and move and have my being. Wow, what a vast storehouse of power in Christ my Savior and Lord. I have life, I have energy, I have strength for all things and all tasks. There's another in Him scripture. Second Corinthians, therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. His confession, what he says over himself is this. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am a new creature. With the life of God... And the nature of God and his ability is within me. Wow, those, are, those sound really positive, don't they? Those sound pretty uplifting and that they're going to take us to a new level. Ephesians, for we are his workmanship created in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. Confession, I am his workmanship. He made me a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.21. And for he hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him? My confession, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. My standing with God is secure. My prayers avail much. Here's another one. Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Everybody say, in Christ. His confession is this. Because I am in Christ Jesus right now, present tense. Therefore is now no sense of condemnation around me. You can't can't believe and have faith if you feel condemned all the time. You need to know that the the blood of Christ takes care of our sins. Can I get an amen? 1 Corinthians, look at this, one thirty. But of him we are in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. Brother Hagin's confession says this. Christ Jesus, my Lord, is my wisdom. He is my righteousness. He is my sanctification. He is my redemption. Wow. Here's another one, Colossians. Who hath delivered us from the powers of darkness and hath translated us in the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even forgiveness of sins. And you can can look at that and, and you can make a confession out of that. You can make a confession out of Ephesians, in whom we have redemption through the blood, forgiveness of sins, and according to his riches of his grace. Those sound almost identical, those two verses of Scripture. Here's another one, Romans 8, 2. For the law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Here's this confession. The law of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. And we, like Jesus, begin to learn who we are, what we have, what we can do through the word. We, like it says in Romans, how we got saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And confession is made unto salvation. We begin to believe it. We begin to speak it. And because we speak it, we self communicate and we believe it more. And it's a cyclical thing, it's a self perpetuating uh, formation of faith. And we begin to emerge in Christ in a greater sense of who we are, what we have, what we can do. And we're like Joshua and Caleb. We say, you know what? We're well able to take the land. And you know what? In our life, we do begin to take our promised land. Can I get an amen? Let's stand up. We'll be dismissed. We're, we're a little bit past time. We went a little long today. So let's just go ahead. We'll be dismissed. I hope somebody got something out of this. I hope that you understand who we are in Christ. Don't look at who you are in the flesh. The Bible says recognize no man after the flesh. Recognize each other as children of God, as what the Bible says that we're brethren, that we're uh, God's, God's children. Amen. Here's Julie kicking off her shoes here already. Church isn't over yet, hon. So anyway, all right. I don't know if that was a sign to hurry up or I don't know. All right, well, let's pray. Let's go before the Lord. And then we're going to have one confession. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, bless the people as they go today. Father, prosper them and uh, protect them. Guide, guard, and direct them. Father, may they be the head, and not the tail, above only, not beneath. Bless coming in and the going out. And we'll give you all the praise. Now, say this with me. I thank you, Lord, Amen. that I am your child. Amen. And I am blessed Amen. coming in Amen. and going out. Amen. That I am Amen. the head and not the tail. And I thank you today, Lord, for all your many promises. They all belong to me. And I claim them by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.